are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for uh, for yet another day and another fantastic guest as well today, um, who I'm very much looking forward to, Mark Sefton. Uh, we're going to be talking about his, uh, his soon-to-be-released book, Mark of a Man, uh, and I just think this is the right time for this right now, and, uh, I, and I can't wait to get into this into this subject. Um, as men, um, we do we do need help too, even though sometimes we might keep it keep it locked up to ourselves. Before I go into Mark and uh, and do a, a nice introduction for him, uh, then I'd like to uh, thank my guest last week, uh, Arnon Barnes. Um, Arnon um, talked to us from talked uh, from Holland, and uh, is this this amazing? Amazing chap who's spoken to over 40,000 people on stage and transforms businesses and lives and is an investor and all sorts of things. And I think what I was, I didn't quite know what I was going to get with Arnon, to be honest. I'd, I'd had one conversation with him, a brief one, before the interview. And what I was really pleased was how he, you know, he drew the focus on in terms of the success of a business, you know, building great trust and, and a base of kindness and love and uh, getting all of that sorted out is, you know, is the foundation for, uh, for a, great, a great business and a great organization. So it was lovely to hear him talking that way and also talking about how we should be, when you've got any money in the business, investing that money too and making money from that. So you don't need to just generate the money from sales in your company. So enjoyed. Uh, thank you to Arnon. And um, I'd like to say a thank you to my friend, uh, Daniel Woods, who uh, kindly introduced uh, the guest today, Mark Sefton, and said, uh, this is a guy you've got to talk to. Uh, now, Mark is a personal mentor to entrepreneurs, and he's um, he's got a mission um, to really help others. And he's, he's helped people to, uh, he's broken into global markets. He helps startups, millionaire entrepreneurs around the world. And uh, he had a, has had a TV show called One More Round. Uh, so he's got a little bit of uh, fame uh, from, uh, from that experience on the big screen. And then uh, he's also a regular contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. He's a now joined the leadership team of Brains Magazine. He's um, got a, going to be hosting their new podcast and he's an ambassador for them. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to be chatting today. He's, he's used to transforming performance of businesses and organizations. But Mark uh, had, you know, as we all do from time to time, Mark's had a few challenges in his life. And he's written in a couple of books, The Inside Job, Inside Job and Plot Twist, um, but his third book is um, Mark of a Man, and that's going to be released later in the year. And I think that's been inspired by some of the challenges Mark experienced. And I'm sure, you know, like I'm finding myself at the moment with this pandemic, uh, there are a lot of uh, men who are feeling vulnerable out there right now. There's a lot going on. And sometimes the, the decisions of the, in the past kind of catch up with us. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's just situations beyond our control, um, but we have emotions too and feelings and uh, we can be, you know, we can be quietly 
dealing with this uh, information and not maybe sharing it as much, as much as we should be and seeking the help and support that we need. So I think it's going to be a great conversation today because there's a lot of uh, men out there who really do need that uh, support. And uh, it's time we time we dealt with it, you know, for all of our kind of mindsets and, um, and our future success. So big welcome to, uh, to Mark Sefton. Thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, really happy to be here. And as you said, I think, you know, the pandemic stood up a lot, I think, in a lot of people, not just men, but everybody on the planet. You know, with anything, you can always find the good, even in, in the difficult. You know, I say that life is a mosaic of the brutal and the beautiful. Uh, and there was a lot, I guess, in the UK restriction wise that we couldn't do people we couldn't see uh, activities we couldn't do like play football or, or go and watch a game. So then it really left us with very little. And so I kind of just maximized the opportunity to start writing my third book. It had been in, in within me for the last, I don't know, 12 months. And it just felt like a great opportunity to seize that moment where the world needs to hear something, especially men. And the whole premise of Mark of a Man is to help men be better men. And I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing some of my own thoughts around, around the essence of this book and, and why it's so important that I think that I, that I wrote it and how it can actually challenge and help men uh, in this current situation that we all find ourselves in. I think that's really... You know, I think I think it's the time is right for this right now, and 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 there's a lot of, you know, and it's interesting. You know, we, we I've had a lot of people on the show in the past who wanted to talk about about women and about promoting, you know, women and the and equal rights and equality and diversity and all these sorts of things, and they're all truly truly important. Um, but I think you're the first person I've had on the show in. 410 episodes who's uh, who's focused in on you know emotionally supporting men mm. and uh, i think you're right you know with the pandemic etc uh, that's just exacerbated um, you know men typically i suppose they go to football with each other maybe or, or some sport with each other um you, you know i mean i mean down, you know, down in london if you go there there's still, still a few gentlemen's clubs remaining um but at that kind of end but not the the groups and the support networks uh, you know quite the same way as uh, as maybe for women so um I think it's good good that you're kind of on the on the mark with this really right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, I I think from from my own thought processes, there is a lot of information groups, education communities that are you know for for women, uh, and some of the angle of my book is through uh, my journey going through a divorce. So it isn't marketed uh, or focused necessarily on ma- man that's gone through a divorce. Or, or gone through breakup, but I think it gives me a great way to really articulate some of the difficulties in navigating our emotions as men. What does the emotion feel like? Why do we have it? How do we sit in an emotion rather than wallow in it? And me talking about the expectations and responsibilities of being a man uh, and how we hold space for women in tapping into our masculine energy, which really in, in turn kind of helps them tap into their feminine energy and how we need both. And, you know, my thoughts on equality, you know, obviously if a man and woman do the same job, they should absolutely, you know, be recompensed the same. But the reality for me, Chris, is men and women aren't equal. We're beautifully different. And what I want to do is to try and challenge men to hold the right space 
not only for themselves, but also for women, because the world needs men to really stand up, know who they are, know what their duty responsibility is without fear of embarrassment or shame. It's time for men to embrace their emotion and lead from the front. And this is what I really want Mark of a Man to really get. Uh, inside of people's heads and when I've been sharing it it's actually been women that I've been so thrilled by the poise of this book that I hope will be released uh, later on in the years with my publisher now and excited just to uh, get it to market yeah yeah I, I think I'm now sort of thinking of um, you know I just remember that that book was it was it John Gray was it men are from Mars women are from Venus that was mm. the you know and that was a big hit wasn't it for mm. Just, just trying to discover and understand each other, really. Um, but, but you're right. I guess there'll be women who will be, you know, wanting to buy this book because they want to be understanding men better and also how they can support men, you know. Um, yeah, I think for me, people might may think that I'm kind of creating this book for a marketing gain. While I think it, it, there is a market for it because I don't feel there is a lot of support there, Really, my heart is just the fact that, you know, going from a, a boy to a man and going through various emotions and loss and pain and challenge, as well as breakthrough, success, accomplishment, it's just really important, especially like with mental health. And, you know, there's a lot around that at the moment, especially men's mental health. I've always been one to express. I've always been one to go first. I've always been one to say it as it is, you know, and I, I do things with heart, Chris, or not at all. I'm very much in tune with my emotions. I am emotionally intelligent. I, I felt every emotion and I'm not afraid of emotions. And so it's time for, for I guess, people like myself who feel uh, a need to just kind of show the way because we really need as men to be better men. Like there's some things that men do. We're just we're just not helping the world and we're not helping the next generation and we're not helping women by the way that some men talk about uh, women in such a way that just lacks class. And for me, it's, it's as, as much about challenging men as it is about me saying to men, it's okay to hurt, it's okay to cry, it's okay to struggle uh, and just to make real sense of it and then how to keep moving forward. Because for me, that's really important you know some days i'm doing amazing and other days not so and we need to have these conversations mm. yeah so i was quite interested to we'll come back to that point um but you said that men and women aren't equal do you mean they are e equal but they're different yeah when i say then that we're not equal it's because there's certain things in life where women are so much better than men at and we just need to get out of the woman's way and let her, let her take leadership off. Yeah. And, the sa and the same for the other, other side of the coin. There's some things in life where men are just intuitively or instinctly better. And rather than a keep trying to wrestle for territory, we need to come together and create a symphony. So like I said, I believe in equality in terms of if a man and woman uh, do the same job, they should be recompensed. So I believe that there should be equal opportunity in roles of leadership. Where I'm saying we're not equal is actually within our skill set. We're beautifully different. And it's time rather than, I don't know, being a, uh, a bigot or being a feminist that we need to lay those things aside and, and come together now because we need each other and it's time for 
male and female to create a symphony that is something that leads this world in a better way. Yeah, yeah, I, I sort of get that because there, is, there can be some, you know, there can be some adversity, can't there, with some of the some of these groups? Um, yes, you know, I, I, you know, saw that. Uh, saw a lot of anger towards men. There was, you know, very sadly, was somebody was a young girl was murdered, you know, a few months ago in London, and uh, well, you know, there was a lot of campaigning. There was a lot of anti-men kind of slogans, and you know, it made me feel quite sad because I thought, you know, I'm not like that. Exactly. You know, um, it, it felt. Uh, it, it it felt uh, you know anger at the gender you know as much as a, you know one you know a rogue individual you know I'm not saying there's not other examples and men seem to be uh, you know often involved in that sort of thing but um, it uh, it lacked balance really yeah it does I I just think that it's time now for and I tread carefully with this because I'm not a woman so I appreciate historically. The reason why we have like feminist groups is because that women haven't been given uh, the equal opportunity. They haven't had the opportunity to have the leadership uh, roles and respect through our own history. But now, like when I see women's only groups, it jars me because I just think I, if I was to do a men's only group, it, there would be tension within that. And sometimes I just think like you, Chris, I'm not that sort of man. Uh, I value I value what a woman brings to my life. I value what a woman brings professionally. You know, when I look at a human being, that's exactly what I see, a human being. I don't see anything other than the fact that I can take leadership and counsel from somebody who's educated. It's not about your sex or your age. It's really about your essence that really appeals to me. Yeah, that's, that's great. I think, I think that's very true. And... I'm also sort of intrigued, you know, we've got, obviously, there's, you know, um, I, there's lots of genders now, now in terms of um, in terms of sort of descriptors, etc. But also, you know, um, in, in men, there's a, you know, a male side and there's a, you know, a feminine side in women. There's probably, you know, some masculine elements and, and female elements. And is it not how we, we you know, we play those? kind of uh, play tunes on those and are flexible with them. Yeah, I think, it, I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's more comfortable for each of us when we're standing in our, in our true purpose. And then it does liberate other people around us to then demonstrate, you know, their, their energy and with masculine and feminine, of course, there's crossover, I think within each, but if you ask a, 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 most women, obviously, um, you know, it's an exception, probably not a rule, but um, most women would say one of their highest values in terms of a relationship with a man is, is security and safety, you know, and I think masculine energy are holding that space for a woman where she does feel safe and she does feel secure then results in her actually being able to be sweet and kind and, and intimate with her man because of that, that nature that a man has set the tone uh, of the environment in, in, the, in the first instance. And so for me, that's, that's where men have got to understand, you know, that most men, they want to make love to a woman's body, but they've got to realize you've got to make love to a woman's mind first, that it's got to be about creating that environment. I find that quite interesting because men often need intimacy to feel loved, whereas women, if they feel safe, that helps them create intimacy. It's almost like we we need it 
uh, as a part of it and they need it before to go there. And, and the better we understand that, uh, I think the more fruitful our relationships will be. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, um, just to come across my, my mind, in later years, so my, my mum, my, I lost my father a couple of years ago and, and uh, my mum said to me, she said, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get married again, which is a bit of a surprise actually because I never even considered that she might in her 70s consider that. And she said, no, because she said, you know, uh, men of that age, they just want um, a woman to look after them and, uh, and for them to feel safe um, with, with, with their ailments and uh, have someone to clean up and all that sort of thing. And so I'm never going to do it. And uh, it's, quite, it's quite interesting, um, that sort of thought, because maybe there is a bit of neediness then when you know, men start to fail a little bit to have a woman to look after them mm. in later life. So well, we're going to go to commercial brain now. After the break, and let's find a bit more, Mark, about you, know, you and your story. Sure. And your experiences and, uh, and, you know, the lessons from that. And maybe we could, you know, you mentioned divorce and when it comes to say, you know, a business, I meet a lot of business people who, uh, who have got go through divorce while they're, while they're working. I, I remember many years ago working with a, a client board and was discovering that five out of uh, eight of them have been divorced in the last three years. They hadn't realized it. You know, they're all dealing with that kind of thing together. And then there's, you know, other things. How do we deal with things like, you know, work stress mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people struggling with the well-being? How do we deal with um, losing a job? Mm. Um, all those things can feel like a legs come off your stool mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you're very, you know, wobbly and, uh, and suddenly, you know, it, that security is gone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that if we can after the break. Sounds good. Yeah. We're back again in, in just a couple of minutes. So do you join us after the break? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with mark sefton and uh, we're talking about mark of a man and uh, i think um yeah i'm always sort of very very kind of mindful with people, Mark, that, you know, you, you only, you see people's behavior and what you don't see is um, everything that kind of sits. That's the tip of the iceberg as often used an analogy. You don't see what sits underneath and their experiences mm. and their background and their kind of, kind of depth. I'm just interested to find out a little bit more about you actually, in terms of your, your experiences, you know, where, where did you grow up and what were the challenges you faced and, uh, and you mentioned that you've, uh, you know, obviously you've worked with people in business uh, and uh, you've experienced the challenges they've faced. 
uh, and you mentioned divorce and things like that. Tell us a little bit about your sort of journey and maybe what, you know, what, uh, what you learn, what you've learned from it really. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there, so I'm going to try and capture oh, the it down, you know? Yeah. I'm going to try and capture the headlines as best I can. Um, you know, I, my, my story, if I go back to when I was a child and my parents divorced when I was eight, I know that that was very difficult for me as a, as a young boy. Uh, I comfort ate a lot, so I still have a sweet tooth now. And uh, I ate a lot of chocolate, I think, just as my way of trying to deal with some of the loss and that heartache, you know, of coming from a broken family. And uh, school was hard, actually. I was bullied quite a lot because I was a fairly biggish, like, boy. Uh, so I had a, a couple of bullies and that was really difficult at the time. You know, they would physically uh, abuse me and, and verbally abuse me as well. And uh, I really didn't like school. It was, it was, it was hard. And um, it wasn't until I was about, I think, 13. There was a teacher that came to our school. He was about six foot six. He was from Hull. Uh, his name was Mr. Aldridge. Uh, I loved football. Football was always my first love. Um, but a couple of my bullies used to play for the team. So I had no interest in kind of spending any more time with them. But Mr. Aldridge, six foot six, he was a lover of basketball. He brought basketball to our school. Uh, and I started to go on a Friday night and a couple of my friends uh, came as well. And the crowd was really nice, nice guys. After about six weeks, because we know how intense basketball is, uh, the weight started to pour off me. It did. I, I lost, I reckon I probably lost about a stone in weight within about six weeks because <laughs> high, high intensity, you know, and um, what happened actually over the course of that time is, yeah, as I said, the weight started pouring off me. Uh, and I started to get quite good at it as well. I was quite good. And I ended my last school year as the top point guard scorer in the whole school district, which is something that I was really uh, pleased with. But something that happened was the fact that about eight weeks into me being turning up to training every Friday, Mr. Aldridge pulled me to one side. And he said, Mark, he said, I've seen your dedication to these sessions. He said, I've seen how much weight you're losing. I've noticed how many people listen to you and look up to you. He said, I'm going to make you the school captain for our first year of entering the basketball league. And I tell you, Chris, that was the first time that somebody had saw something in me that I hadn't even seen in myself. And really my mission even now is to be Mr. Aldridge to others the way that he was to me. Uh, he saw something in me. Now, even in parents' evening, I'd sit down with my teachers and the amount of them would say to my parents, I wish Mark was more like his more academic sister. Now, I love my sister. I hold her, don't hold her accountable to that. That's not for my sister to, to carry the weight of that. I love my sister. Um, but that, you know, being compared to uh, feeling like you don't really fit in, to be bullied as well. And then somebody comes along and says, I see something in you. That was really the catalyst for me, for me to start to believe, have posture, uh, have confidence. That carried on. Uh, Gil started to come to our games and I got quite a lot of interest, you know, being the captain, which was lovely, you know, for my self-esteem. Like I went from being a boy that was completely broken and bruised and lost to starting to feel like I had something to give. And that's the most important thing I think in life, Chris, is that we all have something to give. We just got to find what it is. 
Uh, and it helps when people like Mr. Aldridge, who calls something out in me before I could see it in myself. And I do think we have a responsibility to call out in others that which they might not see in themselves. And that's why pr- pretty much all the work that I do, I think, is driven by that. Like whether I'm mentoring or coaching, whether I have a TV show, whether I'm writing for Entrepreneur, whether I'm writing for other magazines, whether I'm on Clubhouse, you know, whatever it is, for me, it's having that opportunity and that impact to to influence, you know, other people. You know, so that that really was the driver and the backstory for me. Um, I left school at 15 because I, I really didn't, you know, I learn by doing. I'm a doer, you know, and it's only been in the last 10 years that I've become more of a lover of learning and probably learned more than I ever did in school. I went straight into work. I worked for Woolworths. Um, before that, when I was about seven, my grandfather, where I think I get my entrepreneurial spirit and drive from, he was a serial entrepreneur out in jewelry, insurance companies, fruit and vegetables. He had a market, at Coventry Market. And he used to pick me up on a Saturday about 5 a.m. when I was about six, seven years old. And we'd go and deliver fruit and vegetables to the local restaurants, pubs, and hotels. So he, he was the kind of catalyst for the entrepreneurial drive in me. And I noticed two things from my grandfather just watching him. Because children always learn by what they see, but not by what they hear. You know, it's we always, as children, pick up what we see others do. Even my kids today, they will uh, reenact my behavior based on what they see more than whatever I say. And yeah, yeah. Two, th- two things I saw from my grandfather. The first one was the most important thing in business is reputation. When my grandfather used to go into those kitchens, the love, the adoration, the, the spirit of just joy that other people would get from seeing him because he was a larger than life character was something that really stood out for me. And then the second part of, of what he taught me is really the essence of business is to solve a problem. Uh, And the more people that are affected by a problem, uh, if you've got the solution to that, you know your business is going to be scalable. And in this case, the hotel owners needed the produce to be able to create great meals for their hoteliers, you know. And and for me, that was something that was really standout uh, in terms of my my own journey. And then, you know, when I took my first job at Woolworths when I was 15, you know, I learned to communicate with people. Like I've always been a communicator. I generally love love people. Uh, I love to develop people. I love to lead people, and I also love to lead myself. And that that kind of proceeded for a number of years. Uh, I fell in love in when I was eighteen with an American girl. I I quit my job and I moved over to the states in Michigan, uh, and that relationship lasted two weeks. <laughs> which was quite, uh, which was quite funny, um, and I give up. I gave up everything actually for the, for this relationship, but I decided to stay there, and that was really the crossover from Mark Sefton the boy to Mark Sefton the man. You know, living away from home, standing on my own two feet, being able to take care of myself, build relationships, be responsible. That was definitely the the transaction of that shift of a boy to a man came back uh, to England eventually got a job as a waiter. Cause I just needed to make some quick money, went back into management um, because I wanted to get a mortgage. Then I came across a lady called uh, Danny Johnson 
and uh, her and her husband Hans, they're on a TV show and everything that Danny was saying was just groundbreaking for me. We hear it all the time now, like the greatest place to invest is in yourself. Hmm. But at that time, this, this, this was like new language for me. I was like, who is this? You know, and basically, you know, if you want it, if you want to get more from the marketplace, like in terms of how much money the marketplace is going to pay for your skill, then obviously you've got to develop the skill in which the marketplace will pay more for that skill. Hmm. And I realized being in hospitality and retail that I'd kind of reached the ceiling point of how much I could earn. So I needed to go back and learn some new skills uh, and develop myself. So I did a diploma in life coaching. I did some leadership qualifications as well. Uh, and when I first set up my own business as a hospitality consultant, uh, it was right in the first uh, recession way back in, I think, 2000 and whatever it was. And um, it wasn't until I met a dragon from Dragon's Den, uh, Rachel Alnor. I met her. She was one of the first dragons in Dragon's Den in, in, in Derby. We met for a coffee. She connected with me through Twitter and said, oh, I really, really like what you're about, Max. So we met. And it was a conversation with her that made me pivot from the hospitality industry into working with, with entrepreneurs. Uh, so I kind of stayed close to my hospitality roots, creating theater and memory and customer service. I then decided to evolve that and reach other entrepreneurs around self leadership and how to bring that customer experience into their businesses. Uh, and that's kind of brought that brought me up to probably the first year of, of my business. So I'll pause there, Chris, in case you want to ask me something uh, and, then, and then I can carry on if need be. Well, I think, I think what, you've, what you've demonstrated so far that I think is, is very helpful is, you know, I mentioned that about the, the tip of the iceberg, you know, people's behavior, you know, by Mark and, you, you know, sharing your story, you get a sense of, you know, uh, some of the things that happened in your life that have impacted who you are today, you know, from a broken, a broken family, you know, getting bullied at school, Mr. Old, Mr. Aldridge, you know, the first person who, who saw potential in you and, and your grandfather, who was the, the entrepreneur, um, all those little facets. And then Rachel Olner and, you know, the, 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 you know, what's quite interesting is how guides as well kind of appear, don't they, that when you need them. So you've got to kind of look after them and uh, notice them and, and learn from them. Um, so you have these signposts that are coming through. But th those things, um, and then, you, you know, you talk about, you know, men and women being, being different uh, and we should use our, you know, different, different kind of skills and, and um, you know, around who, who we are. So um, I think... You know, I think it'd be just interesting. You know, you, you just, if you just sort of rolled on a little bit further on now, you know, you, you, you've, uh, you, you, your career took off and you're now doing amazing things and you're writing books and you're on the TV and, uh, and all this sort of thing. And, and then, then you, you have this divorce, you, you know, this divorce, you get married and it doesn't work out. And because I've found in my life, you know, key pivotal moments, they often say between 28 and 32 and 38 and 42, you seem to have like a, it's often like a turning point. And it was for me. Um, and you can choose, can't you, on that point where you, where you go, whether you go down, down the hole um, or whether you, you learn from that dip, from that chasm, and then you kind of move forward. So, mm. you know, um, just tell us a little bit about that and the emotions that you went through. And then let's, we can talk about, let's talk about how we can help men realize, like Mr. Aldridge, really truly meet their potential 
Yeah, sure. So um, if we if we're speaking specifically about uh, like my own, I guess marriage, and then and then divorce. You know, I married I married when I was twenty one. Um, we didn't have a long period of getting to know each other. Um, I valued the fact that my ex wife was one of the few women that I was able to connect with in a way that wasn't necessarily driven by the physical desire that other relationships had had kind of started with. I think, you know, when you're a young man, we're very driven by our desire and emotion. Uh, and I find it, I actually found it quite refreshing to connect with a woman like I normally would with a man, where it was a lot more based on friendship than it was about physical, at least at the start. Uh, and th then those physical emotions obviously came uh, afterwards. Um, for me, it was, you know, I always, I, even from the age of 13, I always liked the idea of uh, family and having children, you know, and, and even now, like, I'm very much a family man and love my kids. And I think my greatest work is being a dad and I'd never want to lose sight of that. I always want to pride my myself in being a father, you know, and uh, it would affect me a lot, Chris, if I was the best mentor I could be, but it came to the detriment of not being the greatest father I could be to my children because they didn't choose to be here. I made that choice. And so I have a responsibility to give them absolutely everything I've got uh, and for them to actually out, out achieve, out fulfill even the life that, that I've had, you know? And so, you know, I, I think that it took me a little while to get to the point of saying my marriage had, had reached you know, the end, end of its road because of the kids being involved and also because of the pain that my parents divorced had, had, had given me. So I was very mindful of that. And I think actually me and my ex-wife did a good job of how we communicated that with the children from my own experience and from my ex-wife's as well, whose parents divorced actually when she was an adult, but not as a, not as a child, you know, and for me, that was, um, something that I'm, I'm actually quite happy about. I think we've done that quite well protecting because I felt a, a layer of guilt when I was a kid that I was almost responsible for my parents' divorce. And I didn't want my kids to feel like that because I had nothing to do with, mm. with our children. And so I really made sure that they knew from day one that my love for them and their love, their, the love that their mom has for them hasn't changed just how we're still a family, but it just looks different because I think language is really important, you know, especially for children to be able to communicate that uh, in a way that, you know, of course there's going to be heartache and, and pain because it's the nature of the beast. And as much as I'd love to protect them, it's not possible to protect them. And that's a hard road, Chris, to actually decide I'm going to pull the trigger on this and admit that, my my marriage has reached its end uh, and still take the risk of it maybe causing my own beautiful babies harm but for the sake of their dad it was it was necessary you know and uh, when it comes to divorce it, it always takes two to make a relationship work and takes two to make a, a, a relationship end I'm not here and I never would be to to blame or to or to speak bad of my ex-wife. It's just unfortunate that it didn't go the distance as we had both had hoped. Uh, so we are amicable. I respect my ex-wife as, as the mother of my children. 
Um, but it was something that I think, you know, it's interesting because it's like, I'm married at 21. I don't feel like you grow into your skin until you're at least 30. I think there's too much change, too much that you evolve in. Things settle down, your needs change, your personality changes. I think, you know, when you throw children into the mix where they're a beautiful gift, but they also take a lot of energy and development, uh, sometimes actually, unless you continue to prioritize your relationship with each other, uh, unfortunately, what happens is is you you grow apart and you live you learn to live under one roof, but kind of live in separate separate lives. And that's that's the bit that's really you know important to to reveal and and, and almost talk about a, a little bit today. Right. So, Mark, I, I, we're going to go to commercial break again now. But um, and after after the break, let's talk about some you know, some, some practical things that men need to think about, or, you know, and also how to, when you, you hit that moment of kind of despair, how do, how do you move yourself out of it, get back on the front foot, you know, kind of, you know, deal with it and then, and then move forward, learn from it and move forward, really. Yep. Um, so let's talk about that after the break. Great. Okay, we're back with everybody in just a couple of minutes. Do, do join us after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Mark Sefton. We're, we're talking about uh, his to-be-released-soon book, Mark of a Man. And uh, we were talking about Mark's experiences before the break. Now, I remember, Mark, let's, talk, let's get sort of maybe practical here now. You know, I remember at 28, I'd been had a relationship seven, year, seven years, and it, uh, it kind of failed. I wasn't, wasn't married, fortunately, um, but it failed. I remember feeling you know, pretty, pretty lost, to be honest, and uh, and and this whole story about the whole thing kind of blew up in my in my head, and only through going to a self development program that I kind of cleared it all and I, and I moved on. But any any tips for you for for men who are going through that emotional kind of turmoil? How do they deal with that? And then, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think self-awareness is key anyway, whether it's relationships or, or business. For me, how well you're aware of you uh, is, a, is essential. And I think as men, when we go through difficulties, I always say there's a difference between sitting in an emotion and wallowing in it. Uh, wallowing in, in an emotion will cause depression. But I, it makes me laugh. When we go through loss, you should be depressed. It's like, that's the one thing that I don't overly like about uh, our medical system. And of course, when it is something clinical, you need medication and absolutely you should get professional help. But there should be times when we should be sad, Chris. Mm. Like when you go through a divorce, even if it's you're the one who's pulled the trigger, there's still that sense of loss. Like, that, that for me is the most important thing here with the, with the practical is honor the different seasons that you go through. You know, I'm super positive, right? But if my left leg has been blown off, I don't think I'm so glad I've got my right leg at that point. No. Like, it's almost like, you know, I'm all about framing my mind, but I'm also about honoring the loss. And we need that. Otherwise, we never deal with it. We grow bitter. We get, res we get resentful. Uh, we don't find our strength. So for me, I, I encourage men that when you go through pain, the first thing that you've got to do practically is just honor how you feel. Uh, own it and label it and call it by name. So if it's sadness, call it sadness uh, and know why it's there. And often we're sad because our heart was invested in it. I don't get sad about something that doesn't have any investment of my soul within it. It's the same with stress. We only get stressed about the things we care about. You know, I'm not going to get stressed about things that really don't bother me. So it's really important that we honor what we feel and name it. Give it a name, sadness, stress, whatever it is, name it. Then understand why it's there. Attribute it, understand what is the reason why I'm feeling this emotion. Because I think, I think if you can own that part, it really then starts to become much more of a, a manageable process uh, as men to, to understand it rather than try and bury it, rather than try and push it, you know, because I think specifically probably more might be my father's generation, you know, and historically, you know, men are told to suck it up, to not cry, to not show uh, weakness, to just deal with it. Uh, and then what happens is, people get sick because I believe most sickness in the physical body is caused by emotional sickness in the soul. It hasn't had a chance to express itself or, or to release, you know, and I must admit when I got divorced, I think honestly, Chris, I cried at least once every day for nine months. And I was the one that decided that it had reached its end. Mm. And for me, it's so important that we let that emotion out and whether that's through crying or through writing or through talking or through nature or changing our environment, these are all parts of the process that I talk about in, in Mark of a Man, the importance of shifting our environment, but most importantly, honoring the pain and understanding what that pain is and why it's there is not is not a bad thing it's a good thing it shows we're we're alive you know there's that clip on the film hitch where 
the guy's heartbroken and you know he's thinking that it's going to bury him and he's like no it's, it just means that i'm alive that's why i'm i'm hurting you know and uh, i think it's important that we all realize that we all go through loss um and there's a little phrase that i use in some of my keynotes keynote talks which is sometimes loss is gain and sometimes you don't realize that until afterwards sometimes less is more sometimes i have to be thankful for the things that i lost for a number of reasons one because actually uh, i realized that i wanted it for the wrong reasons or another good frame for me is when somebody leaves your life they're creating a space for somebody yeah. new to come into it yeah i agree and i think that's really important whether it's relationship or anything in life that yes honor the loss Gr- grieve for the loss because it just means that you care as a part of you you know and it is difficult when you've got three children uh, and they look like your ex-wife you know or or whatever or whatever that looks like or when you go to the family home when i go to the family home and i go and pick them up uh, and i used to live in that home for 15 years that isn't easy as a man uh, or, or a woman if you're in that case but it isn't easy to keep where you have an association it's difficult it stirs things up uh, but you have to go through the process in order to get to a place where it just feels a little more easier yeah uh, it doesn't all it doesn't fully go away uh, it just becomes more manageable like they say life doesn't get easy how you deal with it is where things start to change yeah. and you know for me that's i think that's really important yeah 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 sort of relating my my um you know my 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 father lost him two and a half years ago but he was very ill for certainly very ill for the last year with pancreatic cancer and uh, um, 18, 18 months really mm. um parkinson's and things and he wasn't he wasn't an old man actually um but for for me my, i took to bit of time more time out of the business spent time with him my time with my mother and as helpful as possible but i i focused my mind on on getting really fit and i i entered a uh, a quadrathlon which is one of scotland's toughest one day endurance events not anything like that since marathons years and years ago but it took me and it and it meant towards the end that i was having to train nine times a week Wow. But that, that um, physically doing something, as you say, getting out into the environment was amazing for me. I mean, I, I think I, I dealt with the whole situation so much better for being, as you say, not walling it, walling it. I kind of kept moving, really. But I, but I had lots of time to think about it, but I kept moving. And that the, having the endorphins in me as well, a lot of the time, kept my spirits up and then enabled me to be more helpful to my mother and and to my father and deal with the situation. But um, I, I think that get, getting moving was really helpful, actually. Um, well, there is there's that whole psychology of um, body to mind, that when, that when you move your body, your, your mind follow, follows you. And how important a shift in, of environment really is, I think, in, in anything that we go through in life, that sometimes... You know, there's that terminology, isn't there? Square peg in a round hole. And too often we try to fit into uh, the right situation or circumstance. Um, But we need to pause more and think, is it actually me that's the problem here? Or is it the environment in which I'm in? You know, and, and for me, shifting your environment again, because we just already talked about association and association can be positive or negative. Like when I go back to the family home, of course it has that 
association of the family dynamic, um, which can then, you know, challenge and continue to kind of stir up some, some negative. But I think yes. once you, once you move into like when I moved into my own apartment and, and started to create my own identity again and, uh, and, and dress my apartment in the way that was uh, my style, uh, it really did start to then bring back that, that purpose uh, and that identity as a man. And I, identity is really important too, Chris. I, I remember I, I, I read a study and I think it was about 80 men that were all diagnosed with cancer. And as a result, they all lost their jobs as CEOs of their company. And when they did the assessment of these 80 uh, or so CEOs, the hardest thing for 89% of them was not actually cancer, it was actually losing their job because their job was their sense of purpose and identity. Uh, And as men, we need to know who we are. So regardless of the circumstance, we still know our truth. We still know our value. Uh, And for me, that's really important as well. I mean, there's so, there's so much we could talk about uh, today, you know, and uncover. And I've done my best with the book to try and share my own personal struggle and difficulty and then how I found my way through and how other men need to find their way through too. Um, whether it's shifting your environment, knowing your identity, talking it through with a psychologist or a friend, you know, all these little components that get us through and honoring honoring the different seasons and the different emotions are really important. We can't afford for the sake of our own health to keep negative emotions in. We have to let them out and do that in a way that's healthy. Mm. It's also, I mean, uh, when, when you're, if you're feeling down like that, you're giving off an energy, aren't you? And Mm. it's affecting those around you. Um, And, and then, you know, you're not going to get quite such positivity back, are you? If you're you, you're giving off that kind of energy, so you, it has a has a ripple effect on others, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so you know, got to got to deal with it and and find ways to to get your energy back up. Um, and that's well. a good point there, Chris, because one of my favourite proverbs is, "He who refreshes others will be refreshed." It, it's so true that often to 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 heal yourself, you do that by healing another. Uh, that was definitely a part of my process that when I felt low or not good about me, when I went and served and helped support somebody else who was going through a challenge, it, it lifted me up. It elevated, you know, my sense of value as well, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes you're the pigeon and sometimes you're the statue, you know, some, sometimes in life, we're the ones who are, who are causing uh, the disturbance and sometimes people yeah. cause the disturbance. Yeah. No, I've not heard that before, that, that analogy, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's true, isn't it? It's, yeah, absolutely. I like that, he who refreshes others. Because, you know, we, we do have the privilege of the kind of work that you and I do of, uh, of working with a lot of people and, and helping them to, you know, to shift out of being in effect at the world into being on the front foot and, back at back at course again and you know, that certainly helped me through the pandemic it's uh I, I need to go out sometimes for a walk to 
relieve relieve myself of uh, some of the things I've learned and discovered and uh, and and the downloads that people have, uh, have have given on me. But it it is very refreshing, really. It's it's lovely to feel like you're helping. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that the same. Yeah, one of the things that came out of the pandemic actually, because I think why I struggled is because I like to choose, and because there was restrictions and the unknown. That playground there is the one that I dislike the most. Yeah, I hate the unknown, uh, and I and I hate kind of being controlled and restricted. So one of the ways out for me during the pandemic was creating routines where I fe- felt a sense of control and stability. And one of them was every day now in the morning I walk for an hour and twenty minutes. Nice. So on on my Fitbit, I my goal is 10,000 steps a day. I get them done before I have my first meeting, before I have my first call, write my first article. I get out. It's the first thing I do and I do it every day. I don't have a day off. Uh, and I do that. And I tell you that, that frame and pouring into me is the thing that's really helped me, uh, my mood, my energy, my focus, because I'm coming from a place of strength. I'm prioritizing myself in order yes. to be able to give and sometimes we have to be selfish, you know, sometimes people see selfishness as a, as a bad thing. And of course it does have its negatives, but there's absolutely right for, for people to actually put themselves first in order that they can be of a greater service and contribution to those around. It's essential. Yeah. Fantastic, Mark. We've we've got to end there. We've come to the end of the interview. Uh, it's been a, a been a pleasure talking with you. And we uh, can do another one. We can do another one. And <laughs> and, and, and I um, yeah, I, I wish uh, you know you and Mark of the Mark of a man, you know, great success. If people want to find out more about Mark Sefton, it's Mark and Sefton is S E P H T O N. I don't think I've heard that surname before, Sefton. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, you can contact contact Mark. I'm sure you're on LinkedIn and Twitter and all those sorts of things. But I have. Uh, that book will be out um, hopefully later in the year. But in the meantime, there's inside job and plot twist if people are people are people are keen. So, uh, Mark, um, I think some some great great insights. And uh, I think as a final message, uh, do you have one thing you'd like to just leave us? Got thirty seconds. My friend Greg Reed says, "If it feeds you, feed it. If it eats you, chop it off." For me, I think we've just got to make sure that whatever we give our life to is increasing us and not depleting us. Fantastic. And well, thank you, Mark. And on next week's show, we've got Seal Stanford. We're going to talk about being your great self. Uh, Seal's got um, is uh, kind of highly recommended to me. She's got a, a, an amazing organization in the United States, and they're helping you know, thousands of people uh, to uh, transform their lives and uh, discover their, their great self, the be- their best self, which uh, you know, lead on nicely from today. But I think that's a journey that we all should go on in life so do join us again next week any questions comments feel free to send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk and always love to hear from you and uh, once again mark sefton thank you very much thank you we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show join your host Chris Cooper again next Friday at 8am US Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel Be more Achieve more